0: Hello, and welcome to the untold hour. Can you believe it? Two weeks in a row, Solo Bows showing up to hold it down. And I've got another amazing guest this week, so I'm not phoning it in. Can you believe it? I'm not phoning it in, and I'm not going to go off on any negative rants about how hard indie filmmaking is either. If anything, my guest and I, I'm predicting this, are going to have a wonderfully positive conversation about the creation of indie film and bringing our visions to life, because my guest tonight is creature designer Adam Doherty, also known online as Creature Kid, And he is the lead creature designer on the Onyx film, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. I don't know why every time I say the name of the Onyx movie, it makes me want to come up with a fake subtitle that's like a porn version or a porn subtitle. Uh, I don't know what that would be, but every time I say Onyx the Fortuitous and the, I want to say, you know, like, and the big-dicked wolf. What? The big-dicked wolf? I don't know. I don't know what that movie would be. Maybe I'll make that next. I guess it would be like Big Dick Wolfman, you know? There was a joke in the Little Willy feature script where uh, one of the characters was drawing in her journal and another character said, What are you drawing? And it was like a Big Dick werewolf. And the other character said, Oh, I got it. And the werewolf's like the patriarchy. And the other character was like, Yep. Anyway, uh, what? Well, God damn it. Already off. On a fucking sojourn. Let's bring it back around before we're joined by Adam Doherty. And let's get into some Weird of the Motherfucking Week. Weird of the Week. That's right. W-O-T-M-F-W is the new name for this segment. I'm changing it now. It's never going back. It's always going to be that. From now on, even when Chobot gets back, we're still calling it Weird of the Motherfucking Week. Now... This is a really fun way to do this segment. I asked Aristotle to come up with the Weird of the Week, and he sent me links, and I have not read any of them. So we're just going in without knowing what's ahead of us. And our very first headline is, A research vessel found Spongebob lookalikes a mile under the ocean's surface. Wow, maybe this is just a whole feel-good episode. Because this feels like a feel-good story, unless it ends with uh, Spongebob look-alike getting smushed by a scuba diver's tank or something. An ocean expedition exploring more than a mile under the surface of the Atlantic captured a startlingly startlingly silly sight this week. A sponge that looked very much like Spongebob Squarepants. And right next to it, a pink sea star. A doppelganger for Patrick, Spongebob's dim-witted best friend. Christopher Ma was one of the scientists watching a live feed from a submersible launched, a submersible, launched off the NOAA ship Oceanos Explorer. He's a research associate at the National Museum of Natural History who frequently collaborates with National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. He's also an expert on starfish. Man, I love people that have a real specific area of expertise. When people ask me what I do, I'm like, I don't know, a producer for stuff, but then I'm a... Host, and then I, uh, but I'm a writer director, and I kind of also do this weird internet character that some people care about. Can you imagine just being able to say, I am a starfish expert, motherfucker? Ma immediately noticed the underwater creature's resemblance to the animated buddies. They're just a dead ringer for the cartoon character, Ma told NPR. So he tweeted an image of the two, noting the resemblance, delighting a lot of folks. Someone helpfully added faces and legs. Wait, where's the version? Oh, where's the version that shows the faces and, and legs? Oh my gosh. I don't see that version. Maybe if I go to the actual tweet, I'll There it is. <laughs> yeah! That's really good, actually. It's funny to think that if it were to be realistic and grounded, it looks like um SpongeBob, that a sea sponge is a lot larger than this star. I don't know if that would always be the case. But they're pretty uh, comparable in size in the show. I guess Patrick's even bigger, truly, than Spongebob. This is the other way around, though. Spongebob is much bigger than Patrick. That is a great first Weird of the Week. Holy hell, Aristotle so far, one for one. Let's see. Now I'm clicking on the second story. Is it feel good? Is it feel bad? Airborne Turtle survives crash through windshield on Florida Highway. Okay, That was a roller coaster. It was almost a feel-bad story of a turtle smashing through a windshield, but he survived. Emergency responders in Florida said they were summoned to an unusual scene where an airborne turtle crashed through a driver's windshield and survived. The St. Lucie County Fire District said in a Facebook post that police and firefighters responded to the Florida Turnpike in northern St. Lucie County on a report of a turtle crashing through a driver's windshield. The fire district said... The turtle had apparently been struck by a semi-truck semi, tr- semi, semi truck on the highway and sent flying into the other vehicle's windshield. Whoa. Both driver and turtle were unharmed, the fire district said. The turtle was released safely. Two for two, Aristotle. Oh my gosh. And they were both feel-good stories. Let's check out story number three. Ghost hunter plunges 15 to 20 feet... As investigation goes wrong. So, will this be a bummer? Or will this be an uplifter? Did this person die? Are they severely injured? Or did they survive? Let's find out. A ghost hunter in Buffalo, New York, reportedly fell 15 to 20 feet during a paranormal investigation inside one of the city's landmark buildings. According to the Buffalo News, the unnamed 35-year-old woman was searching for ghosts, In the nearly century-old Central Terminal building on Saturday when she plunged through a a substation roof. She was taken to a local hospital and treated for multiple injuries. The newspaper reported her current condition is not known. A man hunting ghosts with her was not injured. The local NBC station reported that the pair was ghost hunting without permission in the historic structure. But no charges have been filed. You know... I was always worried about that more than I was worried about ghosts whenever I would ghost hunt in Maryland at the abandoned Glendale Hospital because was I worried I'd see an apparition? Yeah, I was. Was I worried we'd come across uh, an individual that was living in that building that was angry that we'd shown up? Yes, I was. Was I worried about a security guard showing up with a shotgun that we'd always heard stories about? Yes, I was but more than all of those things, I was worried about either the roof above us collapsing or the floor below us collapsing because there's no telling with those old buildings. How decrepit and run down they are, every step feels like you're walking on thin ice. So this is not surprising. I would, I would say that was another uplifting story only in the sense that it seems like uh, she'll be okay. So no one was fatally injured. Okay. Is this one positive or negative? Well, the link is from Fox News. So, Aristotle, I don't know what you're trying to do, but we're going to Fox News for this one. How will it not be something frightening and wrong? Florida man in bubble-like vessel washes up on beach. Interesting. A Florida man washed ashore inside a bubble-like vessel on Saturday after an apparent attempt to walk on water. What? Flagler County deputies responded to calls from the concerned citizens who spotted a strange vessel on the beach in the hammock area. The vessel's sole occupant was discovered safe inside without any injuries. He told authorities that he had set off for New York from the St. Augustine area before encountering complications that brought him back to the shore. The seafarer, identified as Reza Belucci of Central Florida, told Fox Orlando that he was attempting to run in his floating bubble vessel from Florida to Bermuda or travel north up the coast to raise money for charity. Okay, my goal is not only to raise money for homeless people, but to raise money for the Coast Guard, raise money for the police department, raise money for the fire department, Bellucci told the station. They are in public service, they do it for safety, and they help other people. Bellucci has been rescued several times in previous years after setting off inside hydro. Bubbles. Okay, so this is a pattern for this guy. After deputies found the vessel Saturday, the sheriff's office said that the Coast Guard was called to the scene to take over the case and ensure that the vessel and its occupant met nautical safety standards. Okay, so interesting. He was leaving to try to make it to New York, but he didn't even get off the beach. But once they okayed, Let's say uh, he had set off for New York, but then he encountered. Okay, no, he did, and he he encountered complications that brought him back to the shore. But basically, after people investigated and saw that it was seaworthy, did they send him back out? I'm very curious. We might have to do a follow up on this. Uh, it came from Fox News. It's a Florida man story, but I would argue it still goes in the uplifting pile because he was trying to do it for charity. He was doing something new, something a little a little kooky, and no one ultimately got hurt. I say that's another positive. Okay, this one, (laughs) Ah! well, we couldn't be positive more than four times in a row. This fifth story will bring us down probably below sea level. Trigger warning now. This is super upsetting. It involves violence. Uh, I don't know if it involves murder. It might involve suicide. It's... it's, This is a gnarly one, okay? And for better or for worse, this is an anecdote, an antidote to the uplifting stories. There's no turtle crashing through a window and living in this one. Here's the headline. Texas teens find dead man's body, steal his jewelry, and post it all on Snapchat. Hey, all right. Oh man, I have so many opinions on this stuff. I'm on TikTok all the time, and I don't know. I've got so many opinions. I know I haven't even read the story yet, but I've got so many opinions. Maybe I'll talk about it if we're if we're still waiting for uh, for Adam to show up. I might go on a little rant about my opinion on uh, what you put on social media. Two Texas teen girls discovered the remains of a 25 year old man, stole his jewelry and posted a video of the macabre act to Snapchat. Now, the man is believed to have committed suicide. The man is believed to have hung himself, hanged himself, in a Medina Valley drainage ditch. The girls, 17 and 16, face felony charges of theft from a human corpse in connections with the Monday morning incident, according to the sheriff's office. Homicide investigators said they had ruled out foul play and believed the man's death was a suicide. He was found hanging from the roadside railing by what appeared to be a shirt according to the sheriff's office after the girl stumbled on the body they called another friend who called 911 the teens told the deputies that they were walking to a local gas station and saw something in the drainage ditch they went closer to take a look and found the victim but on tuesday investigators said they learned of a video circulating on social media that showed the scene before deputies arrived and it allegedly showed the 17-year-old taking a gold necklace off the dead man's chest According to Fox San Antonio, the video was sent anonymously to the sheriff's deputies. Investigators saw the older teen and said they recognized her as a witness from the scene. According to an arrest affidavit, the friend told them she did it because the necklace matched her fashion style. A zoink it a boink. That one gets a zoink and a boink. But I'll still say that Aristotle, you did a stunning job because as dark as that subject was... It was balanced because we had four really uplifting stories in a row. So I think that was a weird of the motherfucking week knock out of the park. We call that a a weird grand slam. Now, my opinion on what people put on social media. First of all, who cares, right? It's just my opinion. But I've been thinking about it a lot lately, specifically when it comes to things of a morbid nature. Um, Now... I see a lot of people on TikTok that are much, much younger than me. And I try to understand that they relate to social media in a way that is more intertwined with their life Um, and their lifestyle, their life experiences, their identity. I relate to social media as a foreign entity that I will never truly let into my being. Um, what I do in social media, you know, honestly, running the Onyx Kickstarter, it pushed me so far out of my comfort zone where I had to get on the internet and say, look, we need more money. Please help us out. This movie is a fucking dream of mine. I feel like a goddamn failure every day I'm out here and I'm not creating something that I feel like I was called to create. I had to be very vulnerable. What's weird is I can usually put that vulnerability into a character. I can do it in a way where there's like one or two steps that kind of distance it from myself, my true self, Andrew. But man, when it comes to putting a genuine thought or emotion out on the Internet, there's just a stoppage there for me. There's this there's this trigger that shoots a wall up that says that's not what this platform is for. I mean, I feel it strongly. Um, I don't talk about personal things on the internet. But when I'm on TikTok, I see people of a younger generation and, and, you know, and older people, people even older than me that relate to it in a different way. And I don't mean bad or good because I truly don't know. I don't have a judgment on it. But specifically lately, I've been watching this TikToker whose mother was killed in the shooting that happened at the it was an Annapolis newspaper the office was in Annapolis the Capital Gazette um and you know that's uh, what 15 minutes from from where I grew up I mean I know the building you know uh I'm not trying to like make it about me and my experience I'm just saying I uh I I uh, my interest in this occurrence spiked because of how close to home it was right and now years later, I find this young woman uh TikToking who who exclusively TikToks about her mother's murder and um the 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 things that led up to it, the memories she has of her mother after that day, uh some really dark details from that day, from the the moment the, the gunman entered the building. And what's interesting is she is doing it as a means of processing grief and I guess gaining some perspective on the tragedy. When I come across it on TikTok, it shocks me. You know, I'm knocked back. I, I see someone doing a TikTok trend that most everyone else is using in a really flippant manner or it's about bad relationships or it's about like an anime meme. And this person is using it To talk about her mother's murder. And there's so much in there to unpack. Is that... um, uh, First of all, I can't judge what's healthy for one person. And not healthy for the next. So I'm not even trying to understand if it's healthy for her. I think I'm trying to look at it holistically. And think, is this healthy as a culture or society. That we process this way. A way that's so outward. and And a way that ultimately does become entertainment. But is that me uh, defining something as entertainment that could actually be much more? TikTok can be transformative for people. She, I guess, is in essence elevating it to be more than those trends. Is it a statement on the banality of entertainment by putting something so deep and so heavy... That clearly has defined this young woman's trajectory in life, as it should, understandably so, losing a loved one in such a such a tragic explosion of violence, unnecessary, just goddamn, horrible violence. Is she in a way upending our expectations? By taking a platform like TikTok and saying, you know, you normally see this trend being used for people talking about their anime crush or their boyfriend that uh, left them. Or uh, the the girl down the street that wishes she was with you. Like, I'm going to talk about my mother's murder. So strap in. And then it forces this audience that is used to being confronted by banality, and now they're being confronted by something so much deeper than that. Or does it in a weird way conform the tragedy and the uh the density of that experience does it conform that to something so flattened that we experience it as banal which i would i would never say i take her experience and it feels banal to me i take it and i'm shook but what i'm saying is by putting it on that platform, does something inherently get ironed out because it's now a 13 second long TikTok that I scroll by in an instant right before I see another you know, kid doing a Fortnite dance or, or dad making a bad joke at the daughter's graduation. I don't know. I don't know. It's just something my mind is exploring. I am not saying I have an answer. It's something I think about all the time because I've always told myself, you know, I'm not going to be one of those adults that doesn't get what the younger generations are excited by and are encouraged by. I mean, I've seen TikTokers. God damn. I mean, I've seen TikTokers do stuff that is arguably... And, and this woman included, so brave that I have to confront the idea that that might be um, healthy for all of us. Um, I, a, a young woman that I follow uh, created a combustible environment inside of her vehicle that she wasn't aware she was creating. She was using hairspray with the windows up and then went to light a cigarette and created a fireball around her that burned her so severely and she said that making tiktoks every day over the course of her recovery is what gave her not necessarily the will to live but this kind of like understandably small thing to pin uh hope on and not like hope i'll get through this but more like well i hope i can just make one more tiktok tomorrow that's my that's the mile marker. She knows it's a small goal, but she needed small goals to get to mentally even be able to picture the larger goal ahead, which was a year or more of healing. And I think something like eight reconstructive surgeries. And TikTok did that. For, I mean, so... Yeah, that's why I also don't just slough off TikTok or any social media platform as much as I wrestle with engaging with it on a genuine and authentic level. But these people are going through tragedies. I clung to TikTok while I was trying to raise money for my movie. And it was like one of the only ways I could reach an audience that would make me feel like I had a chance for my small, very um, kind of basic-minded privileged goal ultimately my goal of wanting to make a movie is a real privileged goal to have when compared to what some other people on the app are utilizing its reach for so I guess all that to say I do want to start engaging with social media in a more authentic way but I don't know that I'll ever reach the level where I see it as a way to provide an audience with the uh the most insightful glimpse into my into my soul or into my outlook but i do commend the people that do utilize it for that um okay i don't know what you think about tiktok i don't know if you even cared about what i think about tiktok but it doesn't matter now because we have our guest please enjoy my conversation with creature kid adam doherty Adam, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We've been in communication quite a bit uh, because as I told our listeners at the top of the show, you are, uh, I mean, you're the boss of the creature designs for the Onyx movie. Is that your prof- your official title, the big big boss?
1: Official title is Creature Kid. I'm creature, creature Kid, yep. Kid. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. So I want to go back and ask you, What started your initial interest in creature design? And did it start specifically with that? What started you down this path? The path of creature design or the path of the monster love? The monster love, I guess. And when did that then turn over into, I want to make these things? The
1: monster love is, I tried to remember, can't recall. It was so early that it was just always there. It was always the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was always mom, where's the creature stuff looking for the creature stuff hunting for that. Yeah. It's a, it's an accumulation of older brother who loved monsters. Um, you you know, monster squad on HBO recording, um, parents paint, you know, dad painted the Aurora kits when he was a kid. So Mm -hmm. there's the, the role of the universal monsters coming in. My mom loved the universal monsters. So I was playing those for the kids. Um, I, I credit Mighty Max to a big thing. Those are dark. Yeah. Toys.
0: That's my, yeah. and that's
1: my favorite. Obs- like, I have the entire set. I, I'm obsessed with Mighty Max. Yeah. Cool. Not so much the show. The toys are like mind blowing, though.
0: They're really cool. I once peed myself at a sleepover uh, <laughs> and, and the Saturday morning woke up in a sleeping bag full of my own piss and we were watching Mighty Max. So, whenever <laughs> I think of Mighty Max, I think of that sleeping bag full of piss and having to talk to my friend's mom about how I had peed myself and I needed a change of underwear and like I got my friend's underwear and I was like, oh. my friend's name was Rami and I was like, can you can we just like, like keep this away from Rami? And she was like, yeah. And he was still sleeping, so she ran and got me some underwear from Rami's drawer. <laughs>
1: those crappy sleeping bags that just made you sweat
0: all night. They, it, they, it was. And we thought it was so fun. We're like, let's just do sleeping bags in the living room. But then it was like fucking god awful. <laughs> But you're right, though those toys, yeah,
1: those so those for, stuck with you.
0: They're monsters, and I they really I have are.
1: Vivid memories of me sitting on the couch, feeling like I was in the Egyptian room with a mummy, and I was yeah. like, on this adventure, or I was in Frankenstein's lab. You know, such an amazing toy set for a kid's imagination. On top of seeing things like Jim Henson's dinosaurs, I was obsessed with that show. Yeah, it's the just wackiness of these are gi- these are giant dinosaurs talking, right? Yeah. The weirdest thing for a kid to see, I think. Um, so it's just, a you know, it's an accumulation of everything.
0: Yeah. Um, and then when did you, what, did you start drawing monsters? When did it start becoming something yeah. that you wanted to create? And how did that form?
1: It was, I was drawing monsters, teachers going, that's excellent. Then it turned into dad showing me how to paint the Aurora model kits, just like mm-hmm. he did. Right, you had the big yeah back in '91 through '93. You had Universal push the VHSs out. Yeah, uh, and with that came Pizza Hut stuff, came new waves of toys. It was the resurgence of Universal monster stuff, which is what I was obsessed with because of probably Monster Squad and just yeah. The so boom, there's all the VHSs for me to get. There's the cookies. There's the toys. There's the McDonald, the Burger King toys. Right. Mm-hmm. it was everywhere. So it was, it was, I, I rode the wave just like in the sixties of the monster craze with the Aurora kits and stuff. When all the universal movies from the forties and fifties were now on television in black and white. Right. Kids were getting introduced to those. They did it in the nineties. And then they did it in the early two thousands. And that was like kind of the last time they have done it for a while. Yeah. But I just caught that wave and I just kind of rolled, just rode it. Dad taught me how to paint model kits. Model kits led me to model conventions and meeting horror fans and meeting guys who sculpted model kits, right? And then they go, oh, you're super good at painting. You should try sculpting. And then my brother was also a sculptor um, doing Halloween stuff. So there was just a natural transition of there's clay land around. How do I make a mask? Oh, nah, but and then, you know, how do I make a resin garage kit to make my own model kits? Huh. And then that turned into, um, you know, you can only build so much in your mom's basement to where you're like, well, now what's the next step? Go to right. go to Hollywood, make monsters for movies.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have any, um, I have recently been watching the behind the scenes of like certain attractions, certain rides at Disney uh, on the Disney Plus app behind the attractions. And there's so many Imagineers that grew up and their heroes were these imagineers and these people whose names I don't know but this this one guy I can't remember his name but he's the one that brought back the hatbox ghost at at yeah. Disney and yeah. he and his idol was um one of the original imagineers did you have idols that like were obscure because they were the people behind these monsters the people that created some of the monsters you loved
1: um i mean there's i you mean know, Stan Winston and Rick Baker those are yeah. the those are the go-to idols um, I, I wasn't a huge Disney guy. I was Universal because I was going that's yeah. where the monsters were at. I wanted to go to Universal, I wanted to see the giant King Kong and the Jaws ride, and I wanted to get photos with Frankenstein, and yeah. That was what I wanted. I always wanted to go to Universal. because um, that's where the movies were made. And I and I mean, when I was a little little kid, I remember like dress up as who you want to be when you grow up. You know, mm-hmm. and you had that stupid cardboard foldy thing where I would put like collages and write biographies about who you wanted to be. And I remember right. like Spielberg and I had the big mustache and I had an <laughs> EP hat. And I think it, it was like fourth or fifth grade. Um, so, and that, that was my thing as I wanted to be a director. I kept going, I want to be a director. Yeah. And then it just turned into, well, I make monsters. So that's just what it is. So then I was like, all right, Stan Winston, that's the top guy, Rick Baker, those are the dudes. And then I've been there, done that now. And now I'm going, oh no, well, what do I, you know, what do I, what do I, what do I want to do now? I still got mm-hmm. time to go. So like, yeah. Well, what's, 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 what was the first thing I've always wanted to do, right? It's like, oh, when you can't figure out how to be an astronaut, then you figure out how to be a fireman, right? Uh-huh. I already did that. So now I'm going, well, sh- I should just try to be an astronaut now. Right. So that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be a, be a filmmaker too. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, S- S- Spielberg, JJ Abrams, Guillermo, those are like my still my idols. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Alec and Tom at ADI, Stan Winston, you know, Steve Johnson, Phil Tippett, all the dudes. I was yeah. with them all, read all those magazines, you know.
0: Is there a monster that you love that, I mean, you mentioned Mighty Max. Is there a monster that you love that you just love because of the personality or look of the creature, even though it happens to be in a god-awful movie or a very, uh, a less respected property? I'll give you mine. I love the way Cellar Dweller looks, and I know Cellar Dweller is not a good movie, but I really like the design. I just like how thick he is, and he's just so overt. He's just got a big-ass pentagram carved in his chest. I've always loved the Cellar Dweller. Is there any creature that uh, isn't on the Mount Rushmore of creatures, but that you happen to love? Um,
1: For like monster design, I love Cloverfield. Oh, yeah. It's a new one, but yeah. I know a lot of people don't like it because it is. It's like a video game Doom looking character. Sure. But something about just, I was working at, my one job I've ever had, I was working at AMC and I remember just dying to see that movie. Yeah. Hearing that awesome score during the credits and just wanting to know what the movie was about while sweeping popcorn. Yeah. And and that's when I was like, Oh yeah, this is like, I got to figure out how to do this, but I love that monster. It's just something.
0: I mean, I, I, I,
1: it's just so cool.
0: And it did set off a I mean, I feel like, as much as that design, yeah, is definitely judged. It still did set off a trend, which means that it was probably iconic in its yeah. inception. Because now, right, we can say so much. Kind of looks like it's a derivative of the Cloverfield monster, but at the time, I think it was, I think it was original in ways. I mean, I think people definitely. I think so. Responded I think it was to the it scale. Yeah,
1: and but like the arms being weird. But, like I mean, there I mean, I could list off weird abstract movies but now i'm going you know well there's action figures of these things in spencer's now it's not that abstract anymore true i thought it was abstract and cool when i was a kid i mean killer clowns from outer space was like a weird abstract movie right no one ever heard of it and now there's
0: like kids backpacks and lunch boxes of that thing and i'm like oh okay it's not a thing anymore that's how i feel about tar man i remember loving Tarman and him being and like drawing him and him being like yeah. my guy yeah nobody really knew about and now it's like that's actually a a really iconic known character yeah and you go to horror conventions and yeah i mean i have a tar man shirt that's like a button-up that a company yeah. makes yeah right and I feel
1: like i don't know something about clover because it is new it's a video game a lot of people didn't like the it, it was riding the bandwagon of found footage stuff yeah but just at, at the time in my life it was a big decision maker for me and yeah a lot and just, I mean, the audio in that, just the roar and the
0: shots, just so clever. Really, totally. was, I'm
1: obsessed with that movie.
0: Yeah. Well, what about the? Uh, I mean, I think you you answered this, unless I'm wrong. Out of the original lineup of Universal monsters, is Creature your favorite? Then.
1: Oh man, I owned every single Creature from the Black Lagoon. I had every- it.
0: I had yeah. everything.
1: I had everything every Christmas. All I wanted was Creature stuff. Yeah. You know but you know I, I when I was a kid I, I went to the the con- you know my dad drove me to the convention just so I could meet Ben Chapman mm-hmm. um, i've I've sculpted the creature at least fifteen times I just keep on repeating and repeating because the design is like, I I've yet to see anyone recreate that in a way to where it looks like the creature yeah there's always something missing and I and I keep on like when I, when I was growing up and learning how to sculpt, I kept on trying to figure out how to nail that look. Like, yeah. why is this off? Why is it not right? It's not right. And there's just, I mean, I have the suit memorized. I know how many scales are on the belly. I know what's changed. I know in certain shots, it's one suit, in other shots, it's another right. suit. You know, there's different heads. It's, it's this whole thing. I, it's it's a you weird obsession. And I'm still obsessed. I'm still buying new creature toys. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Them.
0: And out of, I would argue, out of the original, what people consider to be the original Universal Monster films, I think Creature is the one that holds up the best. I recently re-watched all of them with friends that had never seen any of them. Mm-hmm. And so we watched Frankenstein, we watched The Wolfman, we watched uh, The Mummy, we watched Creature from the Black Lagoon. And actually, Creature from the Black Lagoon, I don't know if it's because the underwater stuff was still so kind of hard to pull off, but it's still impressive in ways that the others aren't just because if you're purely looking at it as, well, you know, it was good for what they did, what they could achieve back then. But I think creature still holds up in a weird way that the,
1: it totally does does.
0: just from a filmmaking perspective.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. It's so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) so what, you know, you, you and I have talked a lot about the, the monsters I love did you, were you much of a of a I know your love kind of was born out of the Universal Monsters, but did the 80s stuff get you? Were you a Chucky guy or were you a ghoulies or gremlins guy? Did that stuff land for you? You know me. I like it gooey. I like it green. You know, I'm a fucking 80s hound to a fault. Um It really didn't.
1: It really yeah. did. I mean, I, you know, nineties is where where most of my stuff is. There's a, I, I appreciate the 80s stuff. I reference it. I know stylistically what was going on there. But yeah. it was never like, an obs- like my brother was obsessed with Ghostbusters. I loved it. Right. But I wanted Creature, Wolfman, Frankenstein toys. Right. Um, and then, you know the 90s was either earnest scared stupids and the yeah. monster squad i mean it was monster, monster squad was like
0: late 80s right yeah
1: it was late 80s yeah but i feel like it didn't get it's kind of like hbo release and stuff until like early early 90.
0: But i don't um, think i don't think i saw it until early 90s because i remember renting yeah. it and being like how the fuck did i miss this yeah. yeah but that's
1: that's a big one for me I i used to watch that over and over and over
0: yeah
1: um I don't know. I'm trying to think of eighties monster movies and it just was never, it was always just too, I mean, I was, I mean, I wasn't born then. I was born in 90. I'm a nineties kid. Yeah. So, you know, that was like what my brother was into. He was into, you know, watching Fright Night and you know, yeah, um, just all that's the, the gooey gooey stuff. I was terrified of Chucky cause I was a kid. I remember my brother torturing me by, you know, putting on Chucky or putting on it. And it was just like terrifying. Um, And then what was scary to me that was coming out was like Jeepers Creepers. I remember that terrifying me when I was, when that came out. And I remember like peeking around the corner, watching like when he comes sideways. And I was just like, I I couldn't sleep. It was the (laughs) freakiest thing ever. Um, So, so I did, I did miss that chunk. It was always like just kind of what was recorded and sitting in the basement from my brother,
0: you know? Yeah. Well, how do you... Because what I love about your stuff, and I've said this... I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but I've talked about it a lot on live streams that I do in relationship to the Onyx movie. I've liked your stuff for some time now, just from seeing your work at conventions. Monster Palooza, Son of Monsterpalooza, etc. And what I always responded to was the fact that there was this personality that came through and this point of view that was wholly unique. And I wonder, I know as like a writer or a filmmaker, kind of how you find your voice. I can think of all the shorts I've made where I was like, I guess that's what I wanted to do. I would have changed that. And then I do another one. And I'm like, that's more of what I'm like. That's my personality. And you kind of find your voice. How do you find that as, um, gosh, how do I explain this? Like, how do you find that as someone sculpting? I mean, do you just come up with original characters until you find one that kind of feels like you're id? You know, how do you find your way in? Because I know also, you're also hired to do work for, uh, you know, companies where your work has to look like theirs or look yeah. like something from their world. So how do you find your voice as a, as a creature designer, as a sculptor and a creator?
1: Well, a lot of it is a tactic to stand out. Right. Yeah. I can see what is being done. And I go, well, this looks just like that and this and that. And I see these like people pulling from what they're seeing and I'm going and I can see, oh, well, why is no one pulling from this or that? Right. There's there's a hole here. So I'll just do that. But it's also the stuff I love. I mean, I I see a lot of my stuff is uh, heavily inspired by the 60s. Yeah. 50s and 60s designs of what I mean I grew up watching looney tunes because my parents loved it that's what they put on I wasn't watching a whole lot of newer stuff it was always you know the I mean mainly the the Hanna-Barbera stuff yeah so I do I mean I like doing the cartoony stuff because it makes me happy it makes me laugh um stylistically a lot of the stuff is very very um Chuck Jonesy very uh yeah expressive it tells a story it's funny um i like funny you know i yeah whole like you know and and for movies yeah you know you're sculpting a, a zombie head that has to look gross and drippy or a skeletal thing or a mummy face or and it's just not fun there's nothing fun about it right and um like that's why i think my favorite effects artist is rob botin because if you look even at the th- at the thing which is a horrifying movie uh-huh. if you look at the sculptures he did they are so cartoony yeah ridiculously cartoony to where if you look at the sculpture you're like oh this is, go- this is like this is really car- this is goofy looking Looks right like, it's a caricature and everything he does you look at the you look at um like the devil from legend is like a cartoon character he's yeah, bright yeah. red right um explorers that's about as cartoony as it gets uh, yeah, using yeah. cartoon noises right yet they're slimy and gooey and realistic and she's wearing bright pink makeup and huge eyelashes and it's just it's so fun yeah. but i remember being terrified of the dad blah, 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 and i was right, like I was right scared when i was a kid because it's this big bouncy weird belly thing and you can't see his face it's all kind of hidden in shadows yeah um and The Thing, I mean, I remember seeing The Thing. I didn't see that until I was, I was a bit older, but I remember being terrified of it. Yeah. But then you watch it now and you're like, oh, the Two-Face is like a cartoon mixed with muscle. It's yeah. so strange. He, I think I, 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 I was trying to do like the Rick Baker and like hyper-realistic mm-hmm. makeup, old age and stuff, but honestly, it's just not fun for me. Yeah, like it's like a task because then you're looking at anatomy books, you're looking at people, which is boring. Um, you know, Stan Winston was doing amazing stuff because you're creating these characters that are like, there's a dinosaur standing right there, which is amazing and mind blowing. Um, but I mean, that's scary. But it it's like a it's like a real animal, right? Right. It's a it's a it's it's an imagine it's an it, it's an It's a fake thing, but it's meant to look like a real animal, right? Roboteen was doing stuff where it's like just so ridiculously fantasy and cartoony and fun, but it can still pull that scariness.
0: Right. Which I think, I mean, that's why I feel so fortunate to have you involved in the Onyx film because your work, and I realized this upon our first conversation, your work is, is operating in, in, the same space tonally that i want the film and the character of onyx to operate in and having your work involved and integrated into that world actually bridges a gap for me that that i now don't have to work as hard at crossing because that's the kind of tone i'm looking for and it is that kind of joe dante tone and you know and he worked with Botine a lot yeah. and yeah. um of of this, this car- these cartoonish images that are still somehow grounded and grotesque and scary. And it's a hard tone to explain, but I know it exists in the world I'm hoping to build with the film. And then the second we started talking, I was like, oh, well, oh, my God, that world is going to be aided by greatly by the look of these creatures and the personality behind them. And also also Jim Henson, because and Jim Henson, yeah, Labyrinth. I watched that on repeat over and over and over. Dark Crystal,
1: not so much. For a kid, yeah. super boring movie. Super dense, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I couldn't get into it. I remember as a kid watching it and being like, God damn, I want to like this. And God damn, <laughs> I'm having a hard time following it. Yeah. Well, let's let's just wrap up by talking a little bit about what you're working on for the Onyx film. Um there is uh for I think for a film this size there's probably more creatures than people would expect, which is so exciting to me. Yeah. There's a beefy bad boy, mm-hmm. there's a box demon, there are uh multiple ghouls, I think four ghouls. Oh yeah. And then, <laughs> and there is a large crouched Demon named Abaddon. I guess my question to you is, is there I, anything i'm doing it? Why are you doing it? Why are you agreeing to make you know, seven monsters for this? Um uh what I guess what so far, you know, as as transparent as you want to be, is the most exciting part of the process for this for these specific designs? And what's been a challenging part of the process? Is it you know the size of this Abaddon creature? Uh, what's just, how are you relating to the project so far in regards to strengths you already have honed in? And then what's been uh, a little challenging for you as a creator?
1: Oh man, this whole thing is the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs>
0: um,
1: not just because of the size, um, but it's, uh, this is so much. So this is, you know, I mean, obviously I convinced you to do more. I was trying right. to go. No, puppet ghouls, devil, big, big devil. Let's go bananas, right? Right. right. And I knew, I knew as I was telling you, I was like, all right, there goes the sleep. There goes the weekends, it's what it is, but it's what I want to do. I need to do this. As soon as I read that script, I had pictures in my head. And that's my whole goal in life is when I have a picture in my head, I want to figure out a way to get that picture for me to see it. Right. Yeah. It's the yeah. coolest feeling in the world. It is. Like, yeah. That's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause you're like, why is that? Why did that just pop in? Like, why did these, why do these weird cool puppets just pop in there? Totally.
0: Oh, I don't know. It feels, it feels like it exists now and you've got to find it in reality. It's like, well now yeah. it's there. I need to.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's the, it's the imagination when, I, you know, when you're playing with a mighty max, I wish I was in the, in that world. Right. And now I physically, it, with the, enough work, I could eventually try to make that world. And I could make a movie. And I could then I could live in the thing for a little totally. bit. I don't know. It's that whole – I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's weird. I know.
0: Well, yeah, it's the same reason why I have in my garage, you know, two ALF dolls and some of your toys and a TV VCR that plays Fright Night on a Loop. It's just <laughs> kind of like you want to exist in this good universe or this created world. Yeah
1: but like when we were, when i when i saw the abaddon i don't picture a guy in a suit i picture me as a kid with something so grand and terrifying that i can't you know that's that's it that's the the ultimate, yeah. the ultimate nightmare that's I, everything i do is overly large because it makes me feel like a little like a little good yeah like little kid right that's just how i like it you know eight feet ten feet i just want to go bigger and bigger um and i'm trying to remember your question
0: oh well, i mean <laughs> you're, you're answering it it's basically just what was what's been challenging so far what's been you know squarely in your wheelhouse but it seems like it's probably just a blend of all those things it's challenging but it's also that's yes,
1: challenging very
0: much what me. you want to do
1: eight original designs i'm trying to work with your idea i mean it's 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 fun it's like being a musician it's like riffing off your design like you gave me a, you gave me some some jam and now i get to try to riff a cool solo in it right to like yeah a sweet song so i'm i i'm am trying to like incorporate my style and my inspiration and like my kid kind of factor of what i always wanted to see on top of you know making stuff move i mean uh um You know i've never done puppets before i've never done it yeah so but i've never done anything i've ever done before and then i did it and i go oh shoot that was easy as look at totally you know i didn't know how to do it and i did it and everyone's saying it's better than what everybody else who's done it so now i'm going all right i'm gonna just do that again and turn on yeah um so it's also just building up my portfolio learn another technique i mean i always knew you know i always want to do stop motion try it Always wanted to do a water tank puppet. Tried it. Yeah. Always wanted to do Jim, Pen- Jim Henson puppets. Always wanted to do it. All right. You know, try it. Yeah. We figured it out. Stuff looks great. It's literally the most simple concept ever. How yeah. Like my hand to look like a mouth, right? It's just genius. And it all relies on what the sculpture looks like. Yeah. And how can I ma- manipulate this to look natural and organic and, make it look like it's talking right the 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 top's not flopping it's the bottom flopping and right you know how do i make this how do i make a 10 foot crouching devil look like it's there in a room alive for two minutes for a minute and a half right yeah how do you do that so that's insanely hard and um it's all a challenge. Uh, it's it's all just a challenge. But the further it gets, the more it moves, the happier yeah. I am. Right? Right. Seeing beefy bad boy. Just, I mean, that was literally my thumb jammed in to a little piece of plastic. Yeah. And then my my knuckles like bleeding because the thing weighs like 40 pounds. It's like holding right. a puppy on my knuckles. And I'm just going like this. And I go, oh, shoot, look at it. It looks like he's. It looks like he's shifting his jaw around. That's not there. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my sculpture is now starting to develop a personality. Right. Yeah. My whole goal is like, how do I, the imagination thing. Right. Yeah. The ghouls, I got the sculptures. I don't know what they're going to look like moving. Yeah. No, it could look terrible moving. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I can, I can see. Right. What, what, Things will move as I mean, it's all like rubber thicknesses. How my hand will sit in there. Um, uh-huh. The devil's going to be tricky. He's going to be so tricky because I will be inside of this thing. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm moving it. Um, but I got a feeling it's going to look great. Yeah, not I'm not trying that's to, to no. You don't have to <laughs> worry. I mean, non secure right there. No, no, it, it no, no! Amazing, but um, I, I don't know. There's just something about it. This everything, um, is lining up so well. Yeah. Turning out so unique to where I'm like, oh shoot! I didn't know I could sculpt like that. I didn't know. I right. Did. And and like you said, you know, I I I have found randomly the most talented people for some reason in suburb Colorado. Yeah. From all over the place. Why right. are they all here at the same time? It's me. Why is You're everyone right. looking for work at the same moment to work on a project? Yeah. Strange. Um and the the devil. I knew from day one I was like this isn't like I knew it wasn't right. Um or not the devil, Ab- Abaddon, the yeah. demon. I knew it wasn't right. And I know the ultimate artist my one of my best friends who has the the dark that i can't really tap into for myself right i'm too fun and kid kid stuff right right too and i i knew that is what that needed which is why i went to him for designs and sure enough i was the one and i was like that's it yeah that's that's what it was um and i and it's it's just exciting for me to see that um, this whole thing kind of evolving into letting people explore their creativeness that they haven't really tapped into yeah being able to encourage them to be like yeah, well you should try that i mean totally the divic box right this is great let's make it look 300 years old yeah Let's explore how to do that. Right. It looks amazing. Let's yeah. have fun with it. How do you, how do you figure out how to get wormwood look right? Some termites have been us uh-huh. for a while. Figure that out. Have a blast. Right. It's yeah. just it's a lot of fun working with people. And, and that's, that's a, a, a first for me. I mean, this is uh-huh. my first movie I've ever done on my own. Right? right. Yeah. And it's the first time I've been coordinating with, uh Artists, right? I've always been the one being coordinated. Yeah. I get to do it. And it's, 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 it's really, it's a strange feeling and it's really fun. And it's, and it's even more fun when you have a great group of people. Yeah. I've been my most favorite part. And that's what I'm really looking forward to come October. Uh Figuring out. With other creatives, like people who are creative with light, right? That is an art on its own. How do we light this thing to make it look how I'm, how I'm, I mean, I, I have an idea of how I want to see things lit. Yeah. You have an idea. I'm sure of what you want to see things lit, but you need to see these things first in in the space, right? Yeah. Um, you know, working with the camera guys who so again, framing this stuff is a whole big thing that, that totally. they want to have fun with too. Um, yeah it's all it's just all that and then figuring out the voices of these things i mean that's like the icing on the cake there's what will these things sound like right what's the glowing voices or what's the squeaky little things or what's the drooling zombie munching saying and stuff you know yeah matt will just really put a bow on this really crazy thing that we're doing here Totally. um but it's it's so hard (laughs) but it's so much fun and that's i mean i i i'm not sleeping a lot and i'm not and i'm not you know i'm not taking breaks but it's 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 not because i'm i'm like i haven't been stressing about the deadlines or the getting things done but it's more just i i need to get the stuff that i'm seeing out as as i'm seeing it yeah and that that it's And I, and I want to go and I want to sculpt because and I want to put my headphones on and I'm listening to the music that makes me think of this character, right? Right. I mean, every character I'm sculpting has its own playlist, basically, that I'm kind of like, you know, this and that. And like, I'm sitting here listening to the Tales from the Crypts intro, Danny Elfman. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there sculpting the ghouls and going like, oh, this is, the Crip Keeper terrified me and now I got to make totally. something that's, that's kind of in that ballpark. And I'm like, you know, Keeper, when was last time there was even like a zombie or a ghoul as cool as that design that Kevin Yeager did? Yeah, hasn't been right. Why? Because it's not. They're not fun. That that was a fun cult. You know. Yeah, the really was. The voice was amazing. The eyes were amazing. The movements were hilarious. With the with the you know just like the the Muppets chef, the Swedish chef, arms, Yeah. yeah right yeah it's hilarious and i and, and uh, you know i want to try i'm gonna do some ghoul gloves because i'm honestly thinking that would be really fun for some yeah. stuff like human hands here then the totally right i don't yeah. know make it work totally you know seeing the Dibbic, the dybbuk in the box with those yeah then this yeah. and then these snot and then glitter in the face it's like yeah so trippy and weird
0: <laughs> but it's
1: gonna be uh You know, I I just, I mean, I'm constantly, I have to watch everything that comes out because I need to know, I'm waiting for that thing to show up. That's like, that's it. This is amazing. Right. These creatures, right. I want to see, I want to see, you know, the, the, the group of people that will obsess about these kind of monsters. Like I was, how I felt like, wow, no one knows about this. This is my little, right. Yeah come 30 years from then there's going to be a, a kid's backpacks with the monsters on it and spent totally. or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. But I like that small feel like it's my thing because no one knows what I'm talking about, about this movie. Right. Um, And I think yeah. this will have that weird, that weird just feel to it. And that's why I'm, putting everything, putting everything I got into it. Yeah. Um, cause there's something there. There's, I mean, we all, we all know there's something there. Um, and that's why the movie got, you know, that's why everybody wants to see this movie made, right? There's something yeah. that, and I want to, I want to contribute what I think should be in there. Um, anyways, I don't know if any of that makes well, sense. no, I think
0: makes- <laughs> it makes it makes perfect sense and i tell you i'm so fortunate to to have you as part of this because you know it's it's such an example of of i think recognizing when when your own imagination has a ceiling i mean i got to a point where when i pictured abaddon i was kind of stopping at something a little predictable and it was so great to then see just your first pencil sketch on well if i were to do abaddon it would be this And it was just so uh, holistically different of an approach. It kind of like shook me out of my basic mindedness because I might know onyx and I might know the tone and I might know the inspirations, but I'm not uh, a craftsman like you and a visual artist like you. So I won't have, uh, I guess, as an explorative imagination when it comes to those things, what I imagine might always be a little more derivative than someone who's kind of who, who's more pioneering in this field. So seeing even just that first sketch from you, I was like, "Oh my god, what a fucking relief! I don't have to worry about my ceiling if I work with people that are more instinctually going further than I can go in those areas." Yeah, and that's so exciting to me because then there's this, there's this layer of the film. I, you know, I thought by writing the script, I'd already kind of seen all there is to see. But then, working with you, you realize no, there's this whole layer that's going to come to life that I didn't even imagine as I wrote it. And then, once we're on set, there'll be a whole other layer through the how the cinematographer lights and what the actors choose to do choose to do with these roles. And yeah, I mean, down to the voices for these creatures, it'll just. I what I love about these collaborative arts is that it really never stops until. You know, the, the last line of ADR will do something to the movie that yeah. spruces it up even more. And the yeah. score will do something to the movie that I couldn't have predicted. It's yeah. it's all so exciting. I mean,
1: it all, I think it all just boils down to a group of kids playing, right? Yeah. There's the kid who has the figures. There's Right. Kid who's going, this one's, man, 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 that's the bad guy doing, man, man, man. that's the storyteller. I'm, right. the, I'm the kid who was sitting there figuring out what to, like, making the little costumes for the toys right (laughs) right oh there's this kid over here making the machine gun noises it's yeah it's it's all just kids playing and i've been training since i was four yeah monsters and creatures right you've been training on storytelling yeah and character and stuff yeah i think it's just it's just finding that and putting it together totally have a fun
0: just a movie that's just kids playing basically yeah yep i see it it's it's same that's exactly how i see it and and i think that's what'll make it the most enjoyable for the audience too is that it feels like a lot of people came together to have fun on this yeah so, I think so. well th- adam thank you so much i i'm so glad to have been able to talk to you i know you're 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 working so hard so i appreciate you taking the time and i also am excited to to release you from this podcast and let you get back to work or get or get rest for tomorrow's day of work. (laughs) But uh, for anybody that wants to follow you on social media, where can they find you? CreatureKid with a K everywhere. CreatureKid.com,
1: CreatureKid on Instagram, CreatureKid on TikTok, CreatureKid wherever.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I can't wait to see all of the, the progress pictures as they roll in. I can't wait to see it either. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> untoldians that is it for this episode of the untold hour thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bizarre if you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird send us your listener stories to the pod at gmail.com come join the untold hour convo over on my discord server and our facebook group and you can follow us on our socials instagram at the untold hour and at untold hour on twitter